Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Wide Receiver Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardis. Joining me, as always, the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, happy, I think it's Tuesday. We, we had two recordings yesterday. You're not sick of me yet. We're back to talk some wide receivers. Yeah, two recordings. Yeah, uh, it's it's always a great day to be great, Ian, like when we get to talk about football. we got great guests coming on, and I'm doing better. I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'll let you announce it. I got in trouble last week, you know, because I announced <laughs> Evan. So I'm going to step back, let you do the drum roll and do your thing. Dwayne and I still getting the intricacies of a three-man booth down, but my goodness, we're <laughs> figuring it out because we have one hell of a trio here today. Football writer and analyst for Yahoo Sports and Yahoo Fantasy, creator of Reception Perception, methodology for wide receiver evaluation. You guys already know the man, Matt Harmon at Matt Harmon underscore BYB on Twitter. Matt, thank you for making, I believe, your third appearance on the PFF Fantasy Pod. I hope you are having a great day, my friend. And congrats on recently uh, re-upping with Yahoo. I believe I saw you are now full-time hosting your guys' great uh, podcast over there. Scott, the whole gang, you guys always do fantastic stuff. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me. You know, you're talking about doing a bunch of shows recently. Um, I'm, yeah, officially hosting the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast five times a week. We are, we're daily now that the uh, the Ooh. season is upon us. I mean, basically, once it's August, it's it's football season for those of us that do this for our real jobs, which, by the way, that's so wild, right? Football, real job. What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be doing a lot of talking this year. Um, I'm already uh, looking into, like, how what type of tease do you need to keep the voice fresh? But, uh, yeah, I appreciate – nobody cares about that. I appreciate you guys have me it's going to be awesome to uh to talk wide receivers today yeah and i'm super excited to have matt on matt i i appreciate you i you probably remember a couple of years ago like when i was kind of considering this journey you know ian matt was one of the people i reached out to and we had a phone call chatted through some things so it's always cool to uh get to connect with you man no doubt buddy no doubt i'm glad i'm glad to see you have found so much success Dwayne, because i feel like uh it doesn't always work out that way right like people reach out and you know, the journey can be kind of tumultuous, but you've landed in a great spot and, uh, and awesome things have happened for you and for you too, Ian, uh, let's not, let's not take away, uh, from the man himself. <laughs> yeah. Ian, Ian is the Kings true man. Stay Kings all the, the way King. around. Well, cool. Let's jump in. Look, Whatever. what else? We're I'm just hoping about. one day. Hold on. Hold on, Dwayne. I want to talk no. about your hair. Like Matt's got a hat on. I, I'm I'm continuing to be mediocre with my process, but no, great day to be great boys. Let's get after it. <laughs> You stopped me for that. My hair. <laughs> I love it. I All mean, right, it's yeah, deserved. So- it looks it looks great, dude. I, I I used to rock great hair every single day, and my my time is my time is unfortunately. I'm, I'm gonna to wear a hat all of next again. week. I'm wear a hat all next week. Uh, well, I gotta I got I'm gonna be at the Kings. Are you going to the Kings Classic, Matt? No, no. I mean, I'm, to the uh, Fantasy Football be, Expo. Sorry, yeah. No, I will not. I will not be. I oh, will man. be. A, I'll be at the home base. Yeah, I'll show the hair off to Ian this this weekend. But yeah, so having you on Matt, like obviously there's no other thing we would talk about than what wide receivers like. That's what you're known for. Super excited to have you because it's something where I know like a lot of times we get linked in tweets. <laughs> like if I ever tweet anything about a wide receiver immediately, like they tag Matt, you know, and it's like, <laughs> hey, well, it's either like your data sucks, you know, uh, and I always, you know, acquiesce. I'm like, you know what? Hey, I. Matt's got the process, like the king of kings when it comes to receivers. Um, so super ha- happy to have you on. And like, where else would we really start than like you? You had the best nickname, I think, possibly I've ever heard, like from a fan- <laughs> fantasy analyst last week. But the sun god, also known as ARSB or Amon Ross St. Brown, or as you have coined him, Bud Light Cooper Cup. 
And my big question on him is, you know, some of the fantasy folks in the industry, you know, they're concerned that the torrid finish was just purely because we had TJ Hawkinson hurt. You had DeAndre Swift hurt. And so just want to get your thoughts overall on Amon Ross St. Brown, how, you, how you're looking at him for 2022, but just also that overall argument, like in a, from a larger sense, you know, what are your thoughts around players, you know, just elevating their game because targets are available versus having to earn them. You know, it's a big debate in the Twitter streets. Love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, I personally, I do think targets are earned. Obviously, circumstantial evidence can be a part of it. You know, I, I know Hayden Winks has shown a really good amount of work on, you know, even a great stat like yards per route run because yards is inherently you got to have a quarterback to, to deliver you the target to get those yards, et cetera, et cetera. That stuff can be influenced by your surrounding teammates, everything like that. So obviously what he did to end last year, you know, he's not going to average 11 targets per game is Amon Ross St. Brown. But Dwayne, I'm that argument to me holds no water. Like, like you said, because I mean, can, can we curse on, can I curse on this podcast? Yes. Like no shit. He's not going to average 11 targets, per, 11 <laughs> targets per game. If he was going to average 11 targets per game, he'd be going in like round two, round three. He's not going in there. You know, people that are out on Amon Ross St. Brown, they want to tell you, well, he's not going to have a 30% target share like he did to end last year. They deliver that as if it's some kind of hammer, um, like a trump card revelation, but it's pretty much baked into where he's going in ADP, where he's ranked in consensus rankings. I'm ahead of consensus on Amon Ross St. Brown because I think he's a really good player. Um, Dwayne, I know, as you mentioned, we get linked in these tweets all the time. You had the post about how he saw a ton of targets against linebackers and, and safeties, much like our guy Cooper Cup, but he is the Bud Light version of Cooper Cup. In reception perception, he was off the line of scrimmage on 80% of his routes. That was the third highest rate among all the guys that I sampled. He's got that he's in that archetype of receivers that I really want to buy into these guys that have that crafted role, have a really good success rate versus zone coverage, get those layup targets. Again, he's going to have more target competition this year, but I struggle to see how he's not going to be the most targeted player on this team, how he's not going to catch the most passes on this team. So for me, where he's going, he's a total green light because I think any uh, of the negativity of other players that are going to be involved is already baked into where he's going. And if there are more injuries to a TJ Hawkinson or Deandre Swift takes a small step back in the receiving workload, we know Jamison Williams is not going to probably be a big factor to start the season. I think DJ Chark is just a guy. If there is any injury to any of these players, I still think there's a lot of upside from a catches standpoint with Amon Ross St. Brown that is not baked into where he is going. Matt, people keep bringing up the same, like, hey, only Cooper Cup was better than him. He was a wide receiver, too, in week six, in weeks 13 through 18. How is he going to repeat that? He doesn't need to. He's a wide receiver 30 yeah. right now in ADP. Yeah, exactly. like, that's the thing that I think people keep missing in this argument. And just when you go back, man, like, you don't see players have the sort of stretch he did just year after year after year. I mean, I, the, the stat I, I was able to find to kind of help represent this is we've had like 66 wide receivers have at least five games with over 20 PPR points in a season. And truly like the biggest kind of misses we're looking at from the group are Brandon Lloyd, Jordan Matthews and Laurent Robinson. I think even those guys, you can start to look at injuries and things, man, like Matt, we, just from your experience, have you seen a wide receiver just look as good as a Monroe St. Brown completely fall to nothing? Yeah, that's the thing. I think if you're, you've got to be some level of good at the game to do what he did to end last year, you know? And I think another thing that gets missed in the discussion about Amon Ross St. Brown is that they were already starting to promote him 
after their after the bye week. You know, it wasn't just because of injuries. They were already boosting his snaps, his routes, stuff like that. Um, I think there was already sort of that plan to put him on the Bud Light Cooper Cup role and developmental plan before all of these injuries hit. Again, the target volume was obviously boosted because of those injuries, but the role and the way they continued to find ways to get the ball in his hands quickly. I mean, nobody loves nobody loves a layup receiver like Jared Goff. That's why Cooper Cup kind of came into our lives in the way that he did early on. I think there's just so much synergy from the team's plan for the player, the player's skill set, and the quarterback that he is, like I said, definitely a green light pick for me where he's going. I, I'd be I'd be stunned if he turned into totally nothing. I just don't don't see how that happens given uh, the role that he's got on this team. Yeah, the one thing I am monitoring is does he continue to get, you know, the outside reps, you know, or is he going to be more strictly relegated to slot? Because then if the lines are a little better, maybe they get in some game scripts where they're not trailing all the time, don't have to use 11 as much. That potentially like could cap his routes. Doesn't make him any worse of a player, right, when he's, you know, not on the field. But last year at mm-hmm. the end of the year, to your point, he was playing outside, not just the slot. And that's really the other part that opened up, you know, his game. So um, another year too, And some running back. Oh, he plays some yeah, running back yeah. and the mainstream media mainstream media refused to cover it only it's only cool when Debo Samuel does it it's a shame <laughs> not wrong not wrong <laughs> so another wide receiver uh, year two player Michael Pittman I know it's a guy like you know you've liked I've tweeted about him some here lately um, people seem to be some I don't know some people are on board with Pittman other people are not but just looking at his game what are your thoughts? Like, do we think he takes another step forward this year? He's currently going round three in sharper drafts, but you can get him in round four right now in home leagues. Um, just thoughts on Pittman. Can he make another big leap? And are you buying at ADP? Love, love Michael Pittman. Big fan. Um, RP was high on him coming into last year. You know, he cleared that 70% success rate versus man threshold that I, I want to see from like my outside perimeter receivers. He was over that in his first season, but even despite being high on him going into last year, having him produce, you know, with freaking Carson Wentz, um, I was still stunned by how good he was uh, in reception perception last year. 96 percentile success rate versus press. I think he's almost, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I almost kind of think he's a misunderstood player because he played with Carson Wentz and so much of the perception of receivers goes into like who is the quarterback that they play with and how the quarterback plays. I think Deontay Johnson's kind of a victim of this with the husk of Ben Roethlisberger, for example. But you know, people think of uh, Michael Pittman as just like a big outside jump ball receiver, but they really view him. Robert Mays called it when I was on the athletic football show with him. They kind of almost view him as like a slasher receiver. And, you know, he's got great success rates on digs, on slants, on uh, curl routes, does Michael Pittman. In, the, in that way, he almost sort of reminds me of a Keenan Allen type of route runner. You know, he's kind of the king of that thumping teams on those routes over and over again. Um, I think that was a, you know, the, a good type of role for him that might work better with a quarterback like Matt Ryan. But I do also think he is a great contested catch receiver. He is a good like separator versus man coverage, press coverage on the outside in a way that Allen Robinson is like. So like he's kind of like I said, a blend of those two receivers. I don't really think you can get too high on him this year. I, I believe he does have a, a really, really high ceiling this year. 
You say that, Matt, but man, he's a wide receiver 12 right now over know, underdog I fantasy. I, I mean, I remember earlier this offseason, the dude was like going outside the top 20, even 25 receivers until I think people opened their eyes and saw a lot of the same things you mentioned. But de- definitely want to echo, you know, what you're talking about in terms of his development into year two, because I remember the first year, man, it just seemed like he was just hitting those, you know, deeper crossers and having a lot of open room to run. And it wasn't that he was bad. He just wasn't, you know, it wasn't the Justin Jefferson coming out kind of party that we necessarily had seen there and you know i remember people just he scored a touchdown against the packers like when no one covers him and we still got people freaking out about it last year though man the ravens game the 49ers game like i think to your point like you know you're comping him to keenan allen some of these other guys he looks like the alpha wide receiver one that can do everything would you be concerned with your just specific fantasy production analysis for him if they go ahead and they still add someone else to that wide receiver room it is pretty soft behind him i just it's indianapolis dallas there's still a couple teams i'm a little bit worried about maybe it just doesn't matter because we're talking about that much of a beast here in michael Pittman. i don't know that it would matter that much and i'm just not sure who they would add at this point that would really significantly move the needle and i mean they have a lot of room for uh guys behind him you know they've got I'm kind of interested in Moali Cox as a potential breakout tight end, you know, plus he, you know, went to high school in Middleburg, Virginia. So I've got to stand there. We go. Uh, Moali Cox like that. Just he played basketball at VCU. That's got to happen. But um, Alec Pierce, I, I like Alec Pierce a, a little bit. We'll see if it, what he can do in year one. Paris Campbell. We'll see if he could stay healthy. I just don't know who they could add at this point that would really, really significantly move the needle for Michael Pittman. But I, I think he's going to, whether by hook or by crook will earn that dominant target share because I believe he is that good. So with Pittman, we get the quarterback upgrade. Um, And to your point on that one, like Matt Ryan was, he was more accurate at every level of the field last year than Carson Mm -hmm. Wentz. No, not just at one area, every single level you get a better completion percentage, you know, or on target pass accuracy from, you know, Ryan. And so I think, I think to your point, I think that could really help, you know, Pittman. I think you're going to get more timing routes, all that kind of stuff that you get with a guy like Ryan that you may not always get with Wentz. But another guy that's a year or two player that didn't get a quarterback upgrade, we've got major questions, you know, and it's Elijah Moore, right? And so he's still tied to Zach Wilson. Uh, We can't for sure sure say Zach Wilson's not going to be good. We don't know. Like, he's only been around one year, but it wasn't good, you know, in year one. (laughs) We had Garrett Wilson as a first-round pick, a guy I know Ian and I both liked a lot coming out. Um, Corey Davis, former top eight overall pick, often gets dismissed, but can still play a wide receiver, you know, in this league. Hasn't lived up to the draft capital necessarily, but he's not, you know, a complete jag or anything. So just looking at this offense, looking at the quarterback situation, the the competition for targets like for me with Elijah Moore like I love the talent and so round six feels fair but then when those other things creep in I I don't pull the trigger on him every time I guess so just wanted to get your thoughts on where you're at with Moore and I guess overall like how you factor these other things in obviously you've got an absolute bead you know on the player from a, a standpoint of you know can they generate targets because can they get open but how do you really factor some of these other things in when you start tearing out your wide receivers yeah, it has to matter. Um, for example, I just put an article on receptionperception.com about the 10 receivers that RP is ahead of consensus on this year. We talked about one in Amon Ra St. Brown. Um, I put a bonus section in there, an honorable mention for Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore because just love the talent. I mean, it's Elijah Moore especially. You you mentioned it, Dwayne. Like the ability is all there. The ability to get open. He was a player that was kind of pegged as a slot only guy coming into the NFL, but won last year as like an outside X receiver. Got open at every level. I mean, again, the talent is just there. But you're right, though. It's with 
with not so much with Bateman, put him aside for a second. Like you sort of do have to like close your eyes and bet on talent with Elijah Moore because there's a quarterback question, an offensive ecosystem question, and it's not unlike Baltimore with Rashad Bateman, where it's a pretty direct line of targets to for for Rashad Bateman. It, you like you can easily project. Bateman and Andrews for 50% of the passing targets there. And I think that's more than enough for these two guys to both hit with New York. There's a lot, suddenly a lot of guys there and they might have like a two man running back committee. That's pretty decent too. They restock the tight end room. There's just an awful lot going on there. So it is sort of a close your eyes and bet on talent. That's why I can't really qualify him as a guy I'm above consensus on because I'm sort of right in line with consensus rankings on Elijah Moore. But I do want to green light him as a guy that I'm encouraging people to draft because I think there's a chance that he might just be so good. And if Zach Wilson, I don't know, what do you guys think? Do you, I think we just kind of need him to be average for Elijah Moore to hit this year. But he's just not going to have that sort of sort of target upside because like Garrett Wilson is a player, I think Corey Davis is kind of a jag, but he's if he's your wide receiver three, you're doing pretty good there. I agree with uh, pretty much all of that. Yeah, with uh, Zach Wilson, I hate the splits that we're seeing now with Elijah Moore with and without Zach Wilson because both guys were banged up in earlier parts of the yeah. I just think it's such a small sample size. I'm not so sure that's really being fair to both players. But, you know, as someone that doesn't do like nearly as much, you know, kind of study as you do, Matt, on kind of the incoming rookies, I wasn't overly impressed with Elijah Moore or Kyle Pitts until I saw both them play against Miami. And maybe it's because of how much man coverage that they tend to run all throughout the year. But, bro, like it was once we saw Elijah Moore like legit just torching Byron Jones and even Xavier Howard for stretches of that game. Kyle Pitts doing the same thing. That was really what made me realize that, okay, these guys are the real deal. I see why everyone's been hyping them up for so long. With that in mind, though, Matt, like if they had gone both gone this year, just the player, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, like who would you have kind of ranked higher just as a pure prospect? Man, that's tough. Love both guys. I think I'm and in my dynasty rankings. This is like the ultimate hedge move, but I've got them back to back. And um, Andy <laughs> Barons and I talked about this on uh, with redraft rankings on the last podcast with like a Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Stuff. I think everybody who consumes rankings knows what you're doing in that in that sense. You're kind of trying to say like it can be a coin flip. And that's for dynasty. Obviously, long term, I think Elijah Moore could certainly be better than Garrett Wilson long term. Garrett Wilson could certainly be better than Elijah Moore. Um, I think I'm going to. Like I said, super close, but I'm going to say Elijah Moore only because I've, and I, this sounds like such an old man boomer thing to say, but I've, I've seen him <laughs> do it in the NFL before. Um, we'll, I, I do like Garrett Wilson, though. I'm a big fan of him as a prospect. So Garrett, Garrett Wilson, we get in round 10, you know, of, yeah. of sharp drafts. Like sometimes in your home leagues, like you might get Garrett Wilson round 11, round 12. This is a player that kind of reminds me last year, not necessarily the profile, but just, you know, a high draft pick like Jalen Waddle, but people immediately, well, Devonte Parker's there. Will Fuller's there Tua stinks. Next thing you know, you got a top 12 finish, right? And you're getting them in round nine, round 10. So that's kind of like the been, you know, the little example I give to people when they talk about Garrett Wilson and they name all the things that have to go right for him. And I'm like, you know, once week one gets here, we, we don't know to, at the end of the day, like, and there's so much that can happen, especially when you get to rounds 10 and 11, just bet on the talent. I will say with Garrett Wilson going where he goes, it's actually part of why I think sometimes I lay off of Elijah Moore in the sixth round because I'm like, I don't want to take them both. Like, unless yeah, it's if it's yeah. best ball, fine, you may take a swing, but I don't really want to be on, on two Jets receivers uh, in my top 10 picks. So it's like, well, I can get Garrett Wilson four rounds later, really like Elijah Moore, but I'll just take Kyler Murray, you know, the elite dual threat quarterback here in round six and come back to Garrett Wilson later. So um, another guy you mentioned a moment ago with Michael Pittman when you were talking about his ability, you mentioned Allen Robinson. 
Robinson is a guy that like, you know, a lot of people that watch film, like the first thing I hear is, man, he's just slow. He can't beat press coverage. And the first thing I do is I go look, I go look, okay, well, PFF, we are charting. Yeah, we're charting all this now. You know, we've been charting it for three years now. We actually chart every route. And I'm like, okay, single man coverage, Allen Robinson, top five last year. I'm like, what are these people watching? Like, I don't even know. And not to say that, like, you know, everything we do at PFF is perfect, but like, then I go back and watch it too. And I'm like, I don't know what people are seeing. So my thought process on Allen Robinson is, Yes, his yards per route run were a career low last year at 1.13. Targets per route run, 18%. But to your point, like we didn't really have good quarterback play, right? And Justin Fields, not all that's his fault. We also didn't have very good, you know, coordination of the offense. The offensive coordinator, you know, last year with Nagy just didn't really do anything to help out, you know, the offense or Justin Fields. So what are your thoughts on Allen Robinson? Now, obviously, getting to play. Look, we've been waiting for this forever. Let's hope Matthew Stafford's arm's okay, but we've been waiting forever to get to see Allen Robinson play with a quality quarterback. What's your stance? I mean, Allen Robinson's like one of the original RP guys. Uh, we're certainly not going to back off him now. Um, <laughs> I'm with you, Dwayne. I, I have no idea what people are talking about. Like the idea that Robinson was bad as an individual route runner or separator when isolated from quarterback play last year is just wrong. And I think it's a lot of folks that were in the bag for Justin Fields want to, you know, pump up their guy, whatever. I guess you could argue that I'm doing the same thing, but I'm watching the games, man. And Robinson is getting open. It's that way in your charting. And obviously in like 2019, 2020 in reception perception, Robinson had fringe elite numbers uh, against man press coverage, like above the 96th percentile in both years against man and press coverage. Now there was a slight decline in 2021, but we're still talking about like 81st percentile against man coverage, 96th percentile against press. So you're saying it, your charting data is saying it. My charting data is saying it. He was getting open last year against man press coverage. He's absolutely not washed. And I think, frankly, you'd he'd have to assume that he is washed to fail in this situation because the situation is that good. With the number two receiver in Los Angeles with Matthew Stafford, as long as he's healthy, I don't see any way he's not a top 20 receiver. If, if, all, if he's healthy, if Stafford's healthy, there's just – there's a good floor case and we know there's a ceiling case too with this team as well. So I'm all in on Robinson. I, I totally disagree with the idea that he played poorly last year. I mean, there were certainly some parts of his game where maybe you could say he wasn't, you know, contested catch rate, stuff like that. Wasn't quite the same, but that offense was a, a total nightmare last year. I mean, just slants, flats, and curls. That's all the bears run. Even with a speed receiver like Darnell Mooney last year, man, just slants, flats, and curls. Uh, you look at their route percentage charts on RP, like the, it was a total joke what was going on in Chicago last year. It's not going to be a joke in L.A. It's going to be something pretty special, I think. I spent one afternoon, like June or July, just going through every single target Allen Robinson got last year because I just have so many friends and stuff to do, I guess, uh, in my life. But Matt, <laughs> like, as I was watching this, like, I was imagining you, like, doing the Godfather, like, what have they done to my boy? Because it was exactly that, man. They neutered, yeah. like, everything that made him such a great route runner. Like, in that Rams season opener, the amount of just three-yard hitches that went nowhere. And then after that, That's Justin Fields gets in the game, and there were just multiple times where you just saw the miscommunication out there. It looked like a quarterback who hadn't got a chance to practice with his first team wide receivers all camp oh wait that's exactly what happened in chicago (laughs) last season so it was just you know from start to finish one bad thing after another i heard you say you know alan robinson top 20 he is the wide receiver 19 over underdog right now but you know as i I think pretty sure all of us here have been drafting like throughout the offseason robinson really has 
like this is the highest he's been and maybe this is where he settles but like matt are you comfortable just being like this overweight on robinson because again i i I agree with you trust your eyes like it seems to make sense they paid him over 30 mil even with you know maybe some of the stafford elbow concerns like i guess how rich is too rich for the a-rob love i i think there's a chance you know throughout the rest of the summer if i just keep tweaking rankings like i could get him into the you know fringe top 15 area i I could see that happening i mean i and and the thing is too man like i agree with you on underdog he's gonna get he's gonna get up there for sure but these guys like alan robinson these guys like brandon Ayuk or something that totally just quote unquote with Ayuk burned people last year in the home league stuff like that they're not they're not getting drafted like you know yeah, we're round six over drafted. there yeah not not yeah. gonna happen not gonna happen for for these guys so um in in your leagues that draft in a couple weeks not the not the freak shows and i say freak shows with love because <laughs> y'all keep the lights on and we appreciate you but uh the freak shows that have been drafting up to this point it's going to be a different format you know when these uh regular leagues get drafted here soon so i, I think he'll be a value almost no matter what hell yeah so another high quality offense like moving from the rams over the bills and you know who I'm about to talk about. It's maybe the most polarizing prospect in fantasy circles this year, and it's one Gabriel Davis. Uh, you get the pass-happy offense. We know we've got a good quarterback with Josh Allen. Like It's a very enticing proposition right, um, to be part of that offense. But you have one side of the fence where folks, and, and I've even seen it. Like When I've profiled it, I'm like, well, his comps, it could be really bad or it could be okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't really yeah. have an elite comp for him, you know, to be honest, like in, in the range that I looked at. So what are your thoughts when you look at, you know, the data that you collect, how does Gabriel Davis grade out? And like, what are the comps that you see for him? Like maybe his low end comp and what would you see as his absolute high end again, based on your research? Yeah, I've uh, delivered this comp a few times. I think it makes sense. You know, Gabe Davis, 36th uh, percentile or below in success rate versus man press, zone coverage. He's never going to be a great separator, I I don't think. Um, You know, the comp that I think RP kind of gives out for him is a Devontae Parker type of talent, who I think we can all agree that Devontae Parker is at best an average starting receiver. Um, But Devontae Parker, average starting level receiver in the Josh Allen Bills offense, that's pretty good. Um, The problem is I don't know that he's ever going to command like 120 plus targets. I think even when you do projections for the Bills, I'm not breaking anything off of Stefan Diggs' uh, target share because I think Diggs (laughs) is a smash pick in round one. And, you know, I think he's just one of the best picks in one of the most comfortable picks in fantasy that you can make in the back half around one right now. Um, I don't think Diggs has given up anything to Gabe Davis. You know, I think Isaiah McKenzie is going to have a role. I think Dawson Knox is going to have a role. So Gabe Davis is a little tough to get him to the target share that you would typically have for a guy that's going, you know, on the, I, and I've said with Gabe Davis, I'm excited to see where he lands when the normal people start drafting. Like, is he still going to be a, what has he been like a fourth or fifth round pick on fourth. underdogs at times? I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that is aggressive i don't think he'll go there you know he's more like in consensus adp on fantasy pros or consensus rankings he's more towards that like wide receiver 28 30 range and i think that's fine there i I find myself Dwayne, being like a gabe davis centrist which is probably super boring and not fun for twitter but that's kind of where i'm at with him i think he's you know an average maybe an average starting level receiver talent like Devontae parker type of player comparison in such a good situation um that I think we can get past some of the concerns we have with him as a player. 
it's actually an even more perfect comp because of just the amount of fans analysts that never let go from Devonte parker over the years we just had the same conversation year after year after year yeah. maybe that's what we're in store here with uh gabriel davis if it hasn't already been that way already it's it's one of those things and like Dwayne, i feel like we both kind of had gabriel davis ranked as a low-end wide receiver too and people were even kind of pushing back against that at the same time you know as someone that's done probably 50 60 of these best balls since the draft ended i don't think i've gotten gabe davis more than a couple times not when he's going in round four and round five Dwayne, i know Dwayne was looking already at just what some of the espn and yahoo adps like like Dwayne, is it reasonable like matt saying where we can get gabriel davis more like round six or seven in home league type drafts because i'm fine with that but yeah round four is like come on guys (laughs) yeah round six and again like so some of the stuff like when we look at espn and you know matt you can even tell us probably more about yahoo but we need more and more True. of the real drafts to start, right? For it to catch up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, because, yeah. you know, most normal people, they're still not drafting. Like, we don't understand that because we talk about this every day and we draft every day, you know, pretty much, Ian. But um, that'll really tell the, you know, tell the true story. But right now, yeah, I mean, and I've I've highlighted several players like that. We're like, look, here's where they're going, you know, in FFPC and underdog. Here's where they're going on ESPN and where they're going on Yahoo. Gabe Davis, definitely one of those one of those players. Matt, I think I tend to fall where you are. And like, so like the pro argument as pro as you want to call this that I put out there for Gabe Davis is what if he doesn't even take a step forward? I mean, last year, once they gave him the full time role, you know, he was an 18 percent, you know, targets per route run player. If he's all of a sudden going to run 85 percent of the routes now, I don't see how he doesn't. Right. Given the rest of the roster, who else they have there and the role they want him to play. Like, even if he doesn't get better at earning targets, just residing in the offense, like he's probably going to pay off a round six pick you know, um, just because mm-hmm. there's so many passing plays. So, but can he take a step forward and really be in really like truly uncork all that upside that you get in the Buffalo offense? I think that's where the question comes in, but you guys hit it good. Like if you're in home leagues, you're probably going to find on, be fine on Gabe Davis playing in the sharper leagues, probably not going to get him as much. Um, but enough about the bills, another really good offense, the chiefs. We love to talk about good offenses on this, uh, on this show, Matt. So hopefully we don't bore you. I know we had to go with the jets for a minute, but I'll know this other offense. I mean, no, I'd rather talk. I'd rather talk about the good teams uh, than the bad teams. <laughs> I'm a yeah. positive guy. I'm a positive guy. Yeah, you and Ian both, man. Y'all are always putting off really good the, the good positive vibes. I love it. I got to hang out with you guys. Um, so Tyreek Hill gone from the Chiefs. No news. Everybody knows this at this point. But behind Travis Kelsey, like we really don't know what this pecking order is going to look like. I think the obvious first choice is going to be Juju for most people. That's also what ADP says. ADP right now going rounds five to six. Pretty close. That's one where actually home leagues and the sharp leagues are pretty close. Juju's the same in both formats. Um, but Juju hasn't lived up to his hype like since the early breakout. Now, some will argue there's injuries mixed in there. I think that's fair. Some will argue that some of it's Ben Roethlisberger. But that one I kind of shun a little because I'm like, well, yeah, quarterback hurts you. Like you mentioned earlier, Hayden's done the work as well. But it didn't hurt Deontay Johnson near as much mm-hmm. as it hurt Juju if we're going to blame Ben. So I think there's questions with Juju. Marquis Valdez Scantling. Um, I'll just keep it brief because I don't want him or Alan Lazard's family to hunt me down. But I, I don't think money <laughs> all of a sudden makes you a better wide receiver. Um, you know, looking at all the metrics I like to look out for breakouts, Marquis Valdez Scantling hasn't hit any of them. And usually by year four, we know if a player we get at we get outliers. Yes, they happen. But usually by year four, we know. And he's already playing with Aaron Rodgers. And it wasn't like they didn't yeah. want a wide receiver too in Green Bay. I, I, I get it, folks. Devontae Adams was there, and he was the alpha. He's the one. But still, like they needed a wide receiver too all that time. And MVS, even in the games without Adams, wasn't good. Which Dwayne said, me. I'll keep it quick. <laughs> I know. I said, I'll keep it quick. But look, 
<laughs> dude, like this is one of my favorite ones because like where these guys are going, like you got a potential value here in Kansas City, but it does bring me to my like main point, which is, and you can talk about all of them. You may like different ones than me, but like Skymore, right? So Skymore goes round 9-11, was really good in college. Yes, I know it was lesser competition, round two draft capital. Where are you at on the Chiefs pecking order? I know that's a lot to unpack, Matt, so sorry, but it's all yours. Run, run with it. <laughs> Well, you said all the things I don't have to say about MVS because we're pretty much on the same page there. I mean, I think he's a lid lifter. Yeah, he did. He's he's a one trick pony, and that trick is going to be awesome in Kansas City. But I think that's all we've got there. Um, Juju, love the way you broke that down too, because I think you could make an argument that Juju has gone from being one of the most overrated receivers in the NFL to one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL, because I think he's basically been the same player the entire time. Um, the reason that Deontay Johnson was fine with better with Ben, I screwed my point there, but the reason that Deontay Johnson was fine with Ben Roethlisberger is Deontay Johnson is better than Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, that's just the, re- the reality there. But I think RP's kind of had the bead on Juju all along. Um, This is probably the first year I've actually been ahead of consensus on Juju. Probably the only year I've ever really been excited to draft him because I think, again, when he was up there, there was a time, guys, a reality where Juju was like the number one receiver in dynasty rankings. Again, one of the most overrated receivers in the NFL. He's never been good against press man coverage. He's never been able to be that guy that's going to line up on the outside and run against your top corner and be a true legitimate alpha receiver. Um, Finished at the fourth percentile against success rate versus man coverage last year, 11th percentile against press, but throughout his entire career, he's always been a good zone beater. Last year, he was 11th in success rate versus zone coverage. Overall, he actually has from 2019, the 11th highest mark in reception perception history in success rate versus zone coverage. So that's just the type of player he is. You know, Patrick Mahomes obviously last year ran against a lot of zone coverage because of that too high stuff. I think it's a pretty good like team fit for Juju there. So I've been cool with drafting him. I think if you're going to make a bet on a Chiefs receiver, it should be on Juju or it should be on Sky Moore because I think Sky Moore has more potential than Juju to be a legitimate top receiver. I'm, I'm very high on Sky Moore. I'm with you, Dwayne, that I know he lower level of competition, whatever, but he went out there and smacked around that lower level of competition. He was number two in success rate versus press, number two in success rate versus man among the prospects they charted last year, and number one in success rate versus zone. Like That's what you want to see. You're going to go play against the goofball level of competition? Go treat them like goofballs and clown them around. And I think that's exactly what Sky Moore did. So I think Sky Moore could actually be a better buy like midseason. You know? uh, we'll see what his role is like in week one, stuff like that. The one problem... Uh, Guys that I, you know, Dwayne, you didn't mention this name, but like I think McCole Hardman's still going to be a thing in this offense. And if we've got four guys there, that's going to be kind of tough. It's going to be kind of tough for everybody to hit. I think with Mecole, like honestly... I'll ever think of, uh, sorry, Ian, I think the only thing I think of with Mecole, <laughs> it's like I always, every time I see like the broadcast pan to Patrick Mahomes after a pass, he, I see him just like, like, you know, making the hand <laughs> gestures like, dude, run the route the other way. <laughs> and so maybe that sticks with me. I, I don't know. <laughs> No, it's, it's a great point from Matt, though. Like, that's really tough to live with, and we don't have, like, a featured wide receiver, and we have legit four or even five of them sometimes rotating. And that's – I was uh, 
talk writing up some stuff on KJ Hamler today. And if we know KJ Hamler's health is good, you could argue he should be treated higher than Tim Patrick was because now we don't have that same sort of four wide receiver threat in Denver. And I think there's a similar cause of concern in Green Bay. What if Amari Rogers and Cobb split out of the slot? Romeo Dobbs and progress stopper Sammy Watkins on the other side. And then we got Alan Lazard, you know, leading his way. So I, that's all I'm talking about, Dwayne. Like I'm nothing more about Alan Lazard unless you got another question for I'm us. Not so being that's all today. there. You can't but draw me off sides. Sorry. Matt, Matt, I will say though, with Sky Moore, you know, the number 24 thing, we've made a big deal about and how he looks like a running back out there. He's getting legit handoffs and stuff though in these camp practices. And maybe it's nothing, but this is an offense that gave Tyreek Hill 15 and a half rush attempts per yeah. year over the last six. We've seen guys like Curtis Samuel and Robert Woods have this nice little boost. Just again, we want targets over rush attempts, but we'll take touches if it's just going to be extra touches. From what you saw with Sky Moore, like, could this be something where he's like their most dynamic player in those underneath portions of the field? Because that's my hesitancy with Juju. I worry that the things he does well, like getting those crossers for days and stuff. I just wonder if Sky Moore and even to a lesser extent, Miko just might be better guys to get the ball to with some of those design looks. Yeah, I think there's that's a pretty fair point. And I do think that you can use Sky more in that way because he's a really dynamic open field player and he's just aggressive as a tackle breaker. He's fast, all that stuff. I, I could totally see that. I would I kind of want um the Chiefs to just basically take their X receiver, whether like just have it be MVS and have them out there running wind sprints, man. And like have Juju and yeah. Sky Moore kind of flip between that slot flanker position, you know, get them targets against zone coverage, stuff like that. Some layups there. That'd be great. I don't know if it's going to play out that way, but like from a selfish fantasy standpoint, that's what I'd like to see. <laughs> so with Miko, is there anything, and you can be five word answer if you want, is there anything you've seen from him that gives you hope? He's he's I like I don't think he's as bad as <laughs> some <aight>. people. He, <laughs> I don't think he's as bad as some people say because they're burnt because they stupidly spent an eighth round pick on him before, <laughs> and <laughs> they're upset about that. I, I don't think he's that bad, but I, I think he's probably an average player. You know, at best, I, I don't think he's terrible. And to be fair, he was a DB for the first half of his yeah. college career, basically. So I mean, he he could still be you know adjusting. For me, I just like betting on the uncertainty. Like, just give me the guy that I think might, you know, have a chance with more. But, um, you know, it could end up being a rotation to Ian's point. So a couple more uh, high leverage passing attacks to hit here. Tampa Bay. So we've gotten the word now that we've got Chris Godwin as ahead of schedule. We don't know for sure what that means yet, right? We don't know if that means he's yeah. ready week one. Don't know if that means he's 50% week one. We, we, we don't know. And these athletes, you know, they've all got different timetables. I know we've got the data and the research out there, but there's a range of outcomes, right, on these on how these players heal. So it, it could kind of go a multiple, you know, multiple number of ways. But we also get Julio Jones coming back, you know, to the Buccaneers. Um, and then they also had a Russell Gage, you know, in the offseason. So looking at Godwin, knowing that there is a range of outcomes here, you know, he could potentially have a setback. It's also this pass heavy offense where you've got Tom Brady. We have to pay attention to all the targets. We have to look at all the guys and consider them. I actually put out a tweet this morning um, because I just was like, I'm just going to go look at the 15 players right now that are ahead of Julio Jones and all time receiving yards in the NFL. And I'm just going to look at what they did in their age 33 season. And, you know, I've looked at this data at a macro level before, and, you know, you see the little percentage signs and things. But then when you start seeing the names, you're like, holy crap, like Terrell Owens, like and I'm a Cowboys fan. Like what? Like he put up that many fantasy points at 33, did it again at 34. Yeah. Marvin Harrison was doing it at age 35, like a ton of these guys that are on the, you know, the, the plane that Julio was on. I'm talking the true elite of elites. 
they still had big seasons in these age 33 years. I know over the last several years, we haven't seen the older receivers do it. So we tend to go towards recency bias of, oh, these receivers can't do it. So your thoughts on Russell Gage, your thoughts on Julio Jones at age 33. Yeah, I like Russell Gage. I think he's a pretty good player, underrated. Um, you know, obviously he's not going to have the same role with Julio around. So you have to kind of bump him down a little bit. And I honestly think he, his ADP might've been getting a little too aggressive anyways. So maybe it needed some correction there, um, but I'm fine drafting him after, you know, the top 40 receivers. I'm fine taking a shot on Russell Gage there. Julio tough valuation, man. Um, you know, he was w one of the most dominant receivers of the era in reception. Perception was a really good player, you know, routinely pushing above the 90th percentile in success rate versus man and press coverage. And I've, I'm trying to figure out like how to use RP to quantify age cliffs and, and whether I should be really concerned about this stuff. But Julio was terrible last year as, as a separator versus press man coverage in RP uh, really cratered down there. And that was the first year that I ever, I was started to see that worry. It's not too dissimilar, honestly, to uh, when Des Bryant, in 2016 fell from 71% success rate versus man to 52% in 2017. And of course we know Des was released by the Cowboys took until midway through the 2018 season. He even signed with the team and basically is washed out of the league since I'm a little concerned that that's so similar with, with Jones and, and, and with Des. But I think there's a chance that, you know, this team really doesn't have a legitimate tight end. And, you know, Julio's wearing eight. Talk about jersey numbers, Ian. Julio's wearing 85. He <laughs> looks like a looks like freaking tight end out there. Um, I, I think this team could be interesting with four receiver sets if they find ways to get Julio Jones out of the X receiver spot, which we know is going to go to Mike Evans. You know, maybe they can create some stuff for him. But I'm, I'm a little concerned about an age cliff here with Julio. And I won't be surprised either way. If he has a decent season with Tom Brady, I mean, it's Tom Brady and, and he's – julio jones like if he gets back on track if he's healthy whatever wouldn't be surprised but if like this is the cliff and and you know he isn't really a big factor other than a few like high leverage situations i wouldn't be surprised with that either it is uh i, I like Dwayne's line earlier how money doesn't magically make you a good uh receiver which is fair and we see all the studies you know players that change teams in free agency like you're just better off kind of fading that group and cost will yeah. change things with that but you know julio I was surprised, man. Six million, all guaranteed. Yeah. I think he has the room to get up to eight. Like that is not a nothing contract. And I definitely had to drop Russell Gage right there with you, Matt. What do you kind of think about Gage last year? Because he's someone that I think a lot of us didn't pay much mind to before last season because there is Julio and Calvin Ridley there. But man, like once they, it, there were Amon Ross St. Brown as vibes in terms of like they had to kind of find someone in the offense to get the ball to, especially once Cordero Patterson was also playing through the pain. They couldn't use him as much, but. Man, Matt, like this Washington Gage, I saw a lot of the quick hitting screen stuff that Goblin gets all the time, which is great. But even that 49ers game where he started going up and winning, uh, you know, these contested catch 50 50 situations, it seems like Russell Gage, like, I, I agree, round six, round seven, it felt terrible to hit draft on him there. But man, if Chris Goblin's recovery does slow down and maybe he's not quite as healthy, like, could you see Gage if one of these guys drops out of the race again, being someone that we could actually start firing up again as a wide receiver three? Yeah, I do. I think Gage can play outside a little bit. You're right. He had better success rates than I thought on routes like the dig, the post, the comeback, you know, not those little bunny hop slot receiver routes. And I mean, he could certainly play yeah. that game, but, uh, and he's, he's like not an Arthur Smith player at all. I mean, you just look at the guys that the Falcons have at wide receiver. Now it's, you know, Drake London, Brian Edwards, your boy, Auden Tate, you know, these yeah, ginormous, buddy. these ginormous 
uh, receivers. Like that's what uh, Arthur Smith wants. So for Russell Gage to kind of force his way into that pecking order was pretty impressive. Not that, you know, Gage is like five, eight or something like that, but yeah, I do think that the Gage is an underrated player. I, I was impressed with his reception perception for a lot from last year because yeah, he wasn't really a guy that was on my radar going into last year. Yeah. When I first saw the Gage signing, I thought, okay, not going to compare him to Antonio Brown, but take that role, you know, yeah. um, really more the quick, the intermediate hitting stuff, the timing stuff with Brady. Cause typically you're going to have Evans really playing, you know, the X, the vertical stuff, you know, and, and Brady's pretty much just making a read. You give him single high safety man coverage, he'll go to Evans. You're going to give him, you know, two over the top. He's going to go away from Evans, come underneath. And so Brown was really good in that role. And that's where I was surprised with Gage, you know, his, you know, separation stats were good, not great, but like, as far as his quarterback trusting him last year, like his targets per route run versus single man coverage, like we're really high. So obviously mm -hmm. the quarterback at least trusted him. So yeah, I'm liking the dip, you know, on gauge. Um, Ian and I took Julio last night. Uh, Tom Brady slid to us in round 11 over an FFPC draft after we, you know, we played chicken for a few minutes at quarterback. So in round 12, <laughs> we're like, well, if we're going to do Julio, now's the time. We'll just take him right now with Tom Brady. <laughs> so we, we grabbed Julio our first share in round 12 last night. So, one more quality offense, and then we got a couple to finish out. Ian, Ian, you know he's got his his go tos here that we're saving for the for the very end. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got the Broncos. Um, got Tim Patrick gone. Ian had mentioned that a minute ago. So I think a big thing there is we're going to open up routes right for Jerry Judy. Before we thought Jerry Judy might be stuck in the slot. Could be a multiple type offense running two tight ends, fullbacks, all that stuff, which meant. Maybe that caps Judy's routes. But now, most likely, he's going to start outside. He's going to play flanker. He'll probably have, you know, and they rotate these things so much nowadays. Mm -hmm. But, you know, let's just call Sutton the X. You call, you know, Judy the Z. They're going to interchange some of that stuff. What are your thoughts? You now got Russell Wilson there. Um, and, you know, KJ Hamler, we can mention him as well. Just your thoughts on this group of pass catching you know, receivers. Yeah, I was actually kind of hoping that Tim Patrick would become like the big slot receiver on this team. And, you know, we know that this offensive system wants to have some oomph at that slot receiver position and it makes a little more sense now i have no idea what they're going to do with that because like their best option is a speed slot guy is kj hamler and he's tiny and maybe not all the way healthy i bet they end up playing more 12 uh, personnel now with these two tight ends there and uh alberto and dulcich so we'll see but man i, I i'm i'm actually happy that judy is going to be a flanker i think that's the best position for him my, my problem with these guys, both of them, Sutton and Judy, is that neither of them played their best ball last year. And again, when you isolate them from quarterback play, Sutton, not a great separator last year, but his 2019 season was legitimately good. You know, from like a X receiver profile, above the average and success rate versus man press coverage, what you want to see. Now, I've also done some work. I hope to write an article about this. I feel like this is the fifth podcast I've said. I hope I write this article at some point, <laughs> but um, so that's not a good sign, uh, but I've looked at this since 2014, since I started collecting RP data receivers that tear their ACL. And then the first year they come back, they can be expected to lose an almost average of 3% off their success rate versus man number. Um, and there's actually one weird outlier where Julie, or excuse me, Julian Edelman went up in the first year from his peak season. So if you take that out, it's like closer to 5%. So it's a pretty dramatic number. Um, I think that can help you sort of write off what you saw from Cortland Sutton last year. And I'm okay buying into him where he's going. I'm kind of in line with consensus right now with Cortland Sutton. With Judy, it's tough because he has the high ankle sprain. That certainly brought his numbers down. In his rookie season, he was at a really promising success rate versus man number. Um, last year, not as much. was closer to sort of that average mark. But again, can you write that off due to injury? 
I think you can. It's just tough. Like I wish both of these guys were coming off great seasons where like you're looking at them in RP, you're looking at their separation numbers and you're feeling really good about it. I'm not, but I do think obviously these guys, you can make the excuses for them with injuries and they're getting a huge quarterback bump. So I did bump Judy up to sort of right where he's going now in terms of drafts in my personal rankings. But before that I was below consensus when Patrick was out there. As a noted Drew Locke truther, it's annoying to me that he's the one that gets blamed for all this when Teddy Bridgewater was the one that started 14 freaking games for the Broncos last year. But Matt, your point about like, it really wasn't all on the quarterbacks necessarily. We did see Teddy enable three top 25 wide receivers in Carolina the year before you look at some of his adjusted completion rates and certainly wasn't the most inaccurate quarterback. I mean, it was shocking to me because if we would have told us before last season, it was almost like, all right, it's going to be Sutton or Judy, like which one's going to be. And I mean, the target totals that Sutton was getting in the second half of the season were just like three targets per game. It was just absolutely ludicrous. And Judy still couldn't get much going with that. So I tend to just write it off because of the high ankle sprain, but there certainly are some problems, you know, with doing that. Just come on, Russ, figure it out for everyone. Hopefully uh, our guy Hamler is healthy enough to make an impact as well. Now, Another situation where we got to take a little bit of a leap of faith here is Terry McLaurin, but I don't, I don't feel like it's the same sort of uh, leap of faith because Matt, my goodness, man, I, I thought I'm a, a Columbus lifer, you know, big Ohio state guy, obviously. And I was worried that when I looked at my underdog exposure in April or May and Terry was by far my number one highest zone wide receiver. I was like, all right, Ian, let's try to be good at our job and not go bankrupt here. Is are we positive? We're not too high <laughs> on Terry McLaurin. I watched every single target he had last year. I moved him up in the ranks, man. Like this guy, and I, I, I know our PFF grades sometimes get flack, but I think what they can really do is help show players that have been in bad situations for their accounting stats and how they've kind of been overcoming that. So since coming to the league, 13th in PFF receiving grade outside the top 30 wide receivers and a lot of these counting stats that we're looking at, or at least the yards per reception stuff. So Matt, is this the year that Terry, McClur- Terry McLaurin's fantasy production finally matches up with what we've been seeing on film? God, yeah, you're right. The film is awesome. Uh, the reception perception is awesome on Terry McLaurin. I feel the exact same way on Terry McLaurin as I did about like Stefan Diggs in 2017, 2018. It's like, this guy is so good. He's an elite talent. If he was ever in the right situation, he would put up top five numbers. That right situation came for Stefan Diggs. I don't know if it's here for for, uh. For, uh, for Terry McLaurin in Washington. I mean, you can certainly say through gritted teeth that – Carson Wentz is the best quarterback that Terry McLaurin has ever played with, you know, (laughs) sorry, shout out to ODU's finest Taylor Heineke, but I think that's the truth. Um, And I mean, there's some goofballs before that too. Uh, So I think that Wentz is probably the best quarterback McLaurin's ever played with, but um, I'm okay. I'm okay. Drafting McLaurin where he's going. I just don't, you know, somebody asked me the other day, like, do you think he's going to hit the ceiling that his talent gives? No, I don't think he's because I think his talent is that high, but I'm cool with where McLaurin is going in drafts right now. And, um, jeez, oh, God. I mean, I'm. I, it's just Wentz is. I don't. I don't know what to do with Wentz, but uh, yeah, I, I'm a huge Terry McLaurin fan. I, if if um, I think this is the stat to know in, from his reception perception profile. Terry McLaurin was fifth in RP and success rate versus man coverage last year, but was number two in percentage of contested targets. So if you've ever struggled with the idea that wide receivers can be thrown into contested <laughs> situations. Go check out Terry McLaurin last year, and I think you'll figure it out. I, I was waiting for you to say at the finish and number one in Ian's heart. 
<laughs> Bro, no, no, because he's number one in mine. I think. Okay, well, you guys can share him. You guys there, can share him. There was this one play last year, and they they didn't show the actual wide receiver cornerback ISO cam on the broadcast, so most people didn't see it. But he scores a touchdown against the Falcons, and I think to be fair to Heineke, he had some pressure. And the one thing Heineke yes. is good at is like you know turning a bad situation into actually something good. Sometimes when he's not just making a terrible decision, but. Sometimes, yes. I'm trying to be a little bit nicer because I've said some not so nice things. But Terry literally puts the cornerback in the dirt and, you know, yeah. two hands up in the end zone. And it yep. somehow turned into a contested catch situation <laughs> again. That Terry won because he's a freaking baller. But, yes, it'd be a lot cooler uh, if it hadn't, didn't have to be quite so hard for Terry. Any of these other Washington guys, are you interested in, Matt? Or is it just like Carson Wentz is a little too much to expect more than one guy here? Yeah, I'm ahead of consensus on Jahan Dotson, and I'll always keep a candle lit for my guy Curtis Samuel. Our guy yeah. Curtis Samuel loves Samuel, but you know the concerns about his health I think are legitimate. You know Rivera's talking about is he even going to be able to be out there all the time? I don't know. That sucks to hear because I'm st- such a big Curtis Samuel fan. I think injuries have probably derailed that at this point. And I like Jahan Dotson. You know, 96 percentile success rate for zone coverage among the prospects charted. That guy is no stranger to, you know, there's all these reports about Wentz. We're not concerned about his inaccuracy and his uh, volatility in training camp. Well, let me tell you who's no stranger to volatile quarterback play, Jahan Dotson. Uh, I think he's like a Doug Baldwin type of receiver that I'm okay taking in the late rounds because I I just think he's a really good player. And I think there's a decent chance him and McLaurin soak up most of the volume there. You know, Curtis Samuel's banged up. Logan Thomas is banged up. And I don't think there's many other target earners on that team. Love that call. And yeah, I mean, 16th overall wide receiver, Judy was 15th. And I just, for some reason, Dotson doesn't seem to be getting the same first round bump uh, as a lot of these other guys. Happy to take that discount. Matt, last thing I was going through, you know, your Twitter, just trying to find what guys you're hyping up, making this list, you know, doing, doing things. I would like to think a good podcast host uh, should be doing here. I saw an impassioned, an impassioned rant from you about my guy, Cordero Patterson. What are we missing, Matt? Because, again, it's, I understand people, when they hear me talk about this as president of the CPAT fan club, like, they might balk at me. But, my God, we're talking about, other than Houston, like, the cheapest running back in all of fantasy football at this point. I'm bringing him up on a wide receiver pod because I think it's that egregious at this point. What's your take on Kurt, on <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Cordero Patterson, Matt, <laughs> ahead of a season where, again, I understand what happened from 2013 to 2020, but the year is 2022. It sure looks like he's going to be the Falcons featured running back. Yeah, I mean, his role's tough to nail down because I think when they made him the base back last year, it, it didn't go so well. I, I kind of hope that like they have, I don't know, man. Do we expect Tyler Algier to be a breakout running back this year? Do we expect Damian Williams to be a breakout running back this year? I mean, I'm probably going to say no to both, but I would love for one of those guys to go out there and, you know, handle the dirty work, the grinder work, so that Patterson can be used in more creative ways. I, I just think that he's going to give you more points than where he's being drafted. You know, what for by one way or another, it's going to happen. And, um, I would like Cordero Patterson to unblock me on Twitter. And I, 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 I've no. been reminded, I don't know what happened, man. I don't know what happened, but he's got me blocked. I pro- <laughs> Ian, I probably Ian can probably help you. Uh, CPAT loves some Ian. He, he, probably, he, he, he literally d he literally dm me at the end of last year and said thanks for all the support boss and i'm like i should have just retired at that point because i'm never gonna i know what are you still doing here but yeah i'm sure i deserved it somewhere along the way even though i've, I've taken my fair share of flack for for cpat over the years but yeah i mean he's just straight up i think he's going to give you more points than where he's being drafted and i'm fine taking him where he's going because i think there's going to be a role for him on this team too and i can't i mean the falcons i feel like are mostly going to be a 
a film bros dork treat this year where we're going to be like man look at the way they're using kyle pitts and, and you're what they're using drake london and they're using c pat and they're going to win like three games and nobody care nobody cares and yeah brian edwards i'm sure they'll use him in creative ways you're going correct you're right um no we're not done matt <laughs> odd and take come on <laughs> but i i mean they're going to win three games nobody's going to care but um it's going to be fun to watch this offense and the way they use these three players three I, and a I, half I I did go out of my way to look up, uh, and it is true. The Falcons have the tallest uh, wide receiver duo in the league in Drake, London, Auden Tate. Put Brian Edwards in there, and it probably still uh, continues that. Put Kyle Pitts in there and include tight ends. I love it. Bully ball. Let's just go win contested catches. Party like it's freaking 1995 again. Dwayne, <laughs> it's the Falcons offense, man. What, what's there not to love in Atlanta? <laughs> Well, the only other thing I was going to add is like people also dismissed the ankle injury that occurred. So I don't think it was That's just true. that they were trying to use him in that one role. You know, he came out, he was questionable after suffering what really looked like a high ankle sprain. I don't know that we got confirmation that it was high ankle. We just heard ankle, but he comes back and he has a good week the next week. So everyone just forgets about it. Um, but he kind of tailed off at the end of that game. And then it's like the season was just kind of over for him. So I do wonder if for Corderell Patterson, there's really just more going on than what we heard about with the ankle, given the way that the injury looked, you know, not that I'm a doctor, but you know, we've got plenty of those right on Twitter, breaking that stuff down for us. So I think that's the one other possibility, you know, with Patterson, just like what we talked about with Judy, once that happens, like, it's just, it's really tough um, to continue performing well when you have that kind of injury. Matt, fantastic stuff. And, you know, as Dwayne alluded to just, you know, it's always funny on Twitter. I'll say something about a wide receiver and you know, the comment isn't like, oh, Ian, good take. It's always like, what does Matt Harmon actually think about uh, <laughs> this guy? So always great to get you on here and help get some of your expertise on these guys, you know, in a, in a world where we always had this film versus analytics stuff, as we all know, you know, the best analytics are the ones that really back up what we see on the film. And I think you do that better than just about anyone out there. So receptionperception.com again, everything going on at Yahoo sports at Matt Harmon underscore BYB on Twitter. Anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend? No, nah, man, I'm, I'm not here to be the take police on anybody either. Like there's more than <laughs> enough room. We're all trying to solve the same puzzle and we're all trying to come about it in our, our own certain ways. And that's all that matters, man. I'm, I, Keep, keep doing you. I don't, I, I don't, nobody stop tagging me in tweets. I, I don't, <laughs> I want to be left alone anyways, by the way. So don't, no more tagging me in tweets. Uh, yeah, we're all, you guys do great work. I appreciate you both. Uh, you make fantasy fun too. So that's what matters, man. We're having a, we're having a, I think it's going to be a great year. I'm, I'm really, really excited about this season. So thank you guys for having me and I uh, really appreciate it. Dwayne, final thoughts. No, man, just happy to have you on, Matt. And you're always kind when you do get tagged, even if I may be wrong about something. So you're a gentleman always about it. And I appreciate that we can have a conversation. Uh, I feel I do feel like sometimes people are trying to set two people up like the Rock'em Sock'em gloves. You know, Dude, people are, people are wanna... definitely, 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 definitely trying to get us to fight. And I, I just want to say for the record, we are never we will never we're never going yeah, to fight. So we're, we're so not going to fight. Let's. Let's let it go. Let's, we live. Let's, let's let it go, everybody. We live on a rock that like orbits a freaking fireball, man. Can we chill out a little bit? I love, I love that we all focus some. We choose to focus on fantasy football anyway. But yeah, chill out. Go touch some grass. Uh, yeah, I got some. <laughs> for Matt, for Dwayne, Abby, and thanks as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care. Happy Christmas.